real news. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Tour Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is July 20th, 2020. 7 2020 the end of a cycle. And as I said weeks ago, 721 is the day of a new era where America first comes first. And now, uh, you know, obviously we've seen the president actually said that last week. He said, well, we're going to start on Tuesday. And yes, we are. There will be uh, daily pressers from the president starting tomorrow. Uh, we're having a lot unravel and it's time. And it's time because huh, the best way to attack is to have multiple fronts, multiple decoys, multiple methods of communications, and to be slow and attack real fast. So America has spoken. America has spoken. And no matter how loud the mainstream media gets, no matter how much they try to muffle our voice, they lose. And so uh, today, well, all night too, I've been busy tweeting, tweeting, tweeting. Um, I don't want to talk about any of those topics now. I love to plant seeds just, I ha just like I have been over the years with little nuggets uh, in my articles for people to see and then refer to. Because everything that I've written in 2018, obviously we can't find the ones from the HuffPo. Of course, or Breitbart, of course. But um, what we can find is little nuggets that tell you exactly how um, this rectifies itself. Um, is someone saying that I have a problem with my sound? We can't find the ones from the HuffPo. <laughs> I see it. I went back and I found it. How's that? Is that better? That's better, right? Okay. Uh, so it was only for uh, a couple. I think I fixed it. See, you have to sometimes go back to fix the forward, right? Uh, look back, I guess, to fix the forward. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, I thought today we could start with some uh, really good music. And for those of you that are watching on Periscope, Twitch, um, it's accompanied by a great um, little video. And I hope you guys like this. It's really important that we uh, listen to the words. Um and understand them. Here we go.
Okay, how awesome was that? That actually uh, was a song. Uh, um, the lyrics were actually written in 1776. How incredible is that? Uh, so uh, I want you guys to remember that... Um, you know, I should actually say something that I haven't really said flat out because, uh, you know, from decades and from birth being told how things are, um, it's very difficult for people to grasp uh, some ideas. So I have shown to you different times documents that show an actual situation and a perceived. People like me don't exist ever. People like me never come out, you know, and speak ever because we don't exist. We really don't exist. And, and that is a problem for many people uh, to wrap their heads around. Like I said, it could be, you know, the guy that runs the deli, your baker, uh, your um, bus driver, your, uh, you know, uh, ticket collector at the movie theater. We don't exist. And, you know, one might say, well, people that perform certain operations or exist in those operations that we don't know about are uh, important and necessary. I have to say not really. You know, transparency is key when speaking of freedom. So that is um, my main um concern as to how things are being said. So in the public eye, in respects to certain operations. Now, I want you guys to remember that last week was a week to remember because it was the end of an era. So I want to play a video to remind you all exactly what we did in 2016 and just how important 2020 really is. It's about replacing a failed and corrupt political establishment with a new government controlled by you, the American people. The Washington establishment and the financial and media corporations that fund it exist for only one reason, to protect and enrich itself. The establishment has trillions of dollars at stake in this election. For those who control the levers of power in Washington and for the global special interest, they partner with these people that don't have your good in mind. Our campaign represents a true existential threat like they haven't seen before. This is not simply another four-year election. This is a crossroads in the history of our civilization that will determine whether or not we, the people, reclaim control over our government. Now, I just want to stop it right there and remind you, many of you are complaining. We haven't seen perp walks. We haven't seen this. What you need to understand is that we have been wearing invisible chains for the past 200 years before the ink dried, before it was printed by that dark haired female, before anything, they had already concocted a plan to entrap us. And what I want you to understand is you never, ever pull a weed out standing up and yank. You got to let the roots loosen up. You got to get around all the corners. You haven't seen what's been done throughout time 
uh, no one has seen what's been done. You're about to see. And like I said, after July 20th, we are going to be on a roller coaster up until after Labor Day. It's going to be win, win, win. Oh, win, win, win. Uh, just constantly. And that's okay because this is their last breath. They are doing this is where it comes. And remember, we're in hurricane season and we're going to hear those words quite soon. The political establishment that is trying to stop us is the same group responsible for our disastrous trade deals, massive illegal immigration, and economic and foreign policies that have bled our country dry. The political establishment has brought about the destruction of our factories and our jobs as they flee to Mexico, China, and other countries all around the world. It's a global power structure that is responsible for the economic decisions that have robbed our working class, stripped our country of its wealth, and put that money into the pockets of a handful of large corporations and political entities. This is a struggle for the survival of our nation. And this will be our last chance to save it. This election will determine whether we're a free nation or whether we have only the illusion of democracy, but are in fact controlled by a small handful of global special interests rigging the system, and our system is rigged. This is reality. You know it, they know it, I know it, and pretty much the whole world knows it. The Clinton machine is at the center of this power structure. We've seen this firsthand in the WikiLeaks documents in which Hillary Clinton meets in secret with international banks to plot the destruction of U.S. sovereignty in order to enrich these global financial powers, her special interest friends, and her donors. Honestly, she should be locked up. The most powerful weapon deployed by the Clintons is the corporate media, the press. Let's be clear on one thing. The corporate media in our country is no longer involved in journalism. They're a political, special interest, no different than any lobbyist or other financial entity with a total political agenda. And the agenda is not for you, it's for themselves. Anyone who challenges their control is deemed a sexist, a racist, a xenophobe. They will lie, 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 and then again, they will do worse than that. They will do whatever's necessary. The Clintons are criminals, remember that. This is well documented, and the establishment that protects them has engaged in a massive cover-up of widespread criminal activity at the State Department and the Clinton Foundation in order to keep the Clintons in power. Now, can you see that? I wanted to stop it right there. We're going to revisit. Remember, uh, the article that I uh, put out 
yesterday or the day before yesterday, it was yesterday that I did it before church. Um, cause I wanted to take the deep state to church. They hate it. They hate it. They hate it. When one of, <laughs> if they only knew, see when they came, so did others. And that's the way it goes. Uh, you know, the light is being shown like nobody's business. Uh, you know, kind of like vampires, they're toast. And we're going to walk through my article again, because in there I tell you the whole reason the FBI hired CrowdStrike, the whole reason a secret server was set up in the State Department, the whole reason Barack Hussein Obama created these insane, insane executive orders was to protect them. Why them is the question. Well, they were next in line. It was her turn. But we're going to walk through that. Uh, At the end of today's show, you are going to understand exactly what happened. I knew it from day one. I told the world I knew it from day one. Obviously, Twitter knew too. That's why when I started dropping documents, they banned my personal Twitter account. It was like gone. So um, you're going to understand the Twitter hack. Remember, I told you guys right before the Twitter hacks, hacks are not hacks. And if you read my article, because a lot of people don't have the patience to read, you would see some really nice nuggets in there, um, you know, that tell you everything you need to know. Uh, Because again, like I said, people like me never speak. People like me don't exist. We don't exist. So it's hard for one to fathom how uh, this is happening. But here's where the president told you clear out the State Department and all of them to save them. Like my timeline said, the whole reason all of this happened was to protect her. And so you must... Ask yourself why, and this is so ancient. That answer is not to come now. It's not the time. Timing is everything. They knew they would throw every lie they could at me and my family and my loved ones. They knew they would stop at nothing to try to stop me. Nevertheless, I take all of these slings and arrows gladly for you. I take them for our movement so that we can have our country back. I knew this day would arrive. It's only a question of when. And I knew the American people would rise above it and vote for the future they deserve. The only thing that can stop this corrupt machine is you. The only force strong enough to save our country is us. The only people brave enough to vote out this corrupt establishment is you, the American people. Our great civilization has come upon a moment of reckoning. I didn't need to do this, folks, believe me. I built a great company and I had a wonderful life. I could have enjoyed the fruits and benefits of years of successful business deals and businesses for myself and my family. Instead of going through this absolute horror show of lies, deceptions, malicious attacks, who would have thought? I'm doing it because this country has given me so much and I feel so strongly that it's my turn to give back to the country that I love. I'm doing this for the people and for the movement and we will take back this country for you and we will make America great again.
And so he has. And he told you in his speech, the only people that can take them down is you. And this is why we need to rise up and be loud. Rise up and show them who we are and tell them who we are. Now, I don't know if all of you saw the um, interview that our president had uh, with Wallace. I want to play some of it because uh, it was pretty interesting and very telling. And uh, that is exactly how we should be responding to the media with facts and let them try to alter facts right in front of your face. They do it. They do it. And the thing is, the truth doesn't have shades of color like, you know, green has many shades. Blue has many shades. Red, you know, that's how you get all these hues. Truth only has one color and it's very distinctive. It is the absence of color. It is not colorized. It's stark. It's there. It's bare. And gosh, have I been getting naked lately. So take a listen to the beginning of this interview. I adored it. Washington today from the White House. We're on the president's patio just outside the Oval Office. President Trump, you've agreed to answer all manner of questions. No subject off limits. Thank you. And welcome back to Fox News Sunday. Thank you very much. Let's start with the surge of the coronavirus across the country in recent months. You still talk about it as, quote, burning embers. But I want to put up a chart that shows where we are with the illness over the last four months. As you can see, we hit a peak here in April, 36,000 cases. It's cases. A day. Yeah, cases. Then, then it went down. And now since June, it has gone up more than doubled. Okay, let's stop because the president is going to give his answer, but let's just look at this for a second. So if you remember in March and in April and in May and almost every single time <laughs> I've been talking about this, it's like, why are you getting tested? If you're not sick, why are you getting tested? Well, if you get tested, you'll test positive more than likely nine times out of 10. Why? Because they're testing for generic coronavirus. Almost every single virus is the shape of a corona, right? It is a specific type of virus, the shape of it. So they have been adding that as cases, 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 cases. Yet no one really has died from it. They've died from a virus because... Flu viruses are coronaviruses. And 100% of the people that have passed away from legit flu symptoms and legit uh, this type of flu have had what? The influenza A and B shot, shingle shots, and they have gotten what? Uh, the pneumonia shot. <laughs> Shingles and pneumonia obviously targeting our elderly. You must take this to protect yourself. Now, I had done a huge uh, Medicare over 65 show years ago warning about this. Uh, warning about this. Many would say, well, you should have. No, it, you can't alter the future single-handedly. People need to be on board. The president made it clear, you are the only one 
that can change it. And I've talked about this before, having your finger on the pulse, a collective reality. If all of us are not on the same page and we are on the page, they are emanating, then we lose. And that was the point, the point to anger you, to say, come on, these are crimes. What is going on? We need something now. That is how you anger someone by being straight in your face, anger. The president has been telling you from day one, without wearing a mask, he was telling you what he wanted to say. He was telling you. It's just that we lost the ability to listen. That's all. We're hearing things. We're not listening. So here's where the president gives a good spank down. I kind of like this. It was, it was almost sadistic for me. <laughs> One day this week, 75,000 right. new cases, more than double. Chris, that's the because old we people. have great testing, because we have the best testing in the world. If we didn't test, you wouldn't be able to show that chart. If we tested half as much, those numbers would be down. But, but this tested, isn't burning embers, sir. This is a forest no, no, fire. But I don't say. I say flames. We'll put out the flames and we'll put out in some cases just burning embers. We also have burning embers. We have embers and we do have flames. Florida became more flame-like, but it's uh, it's going to be under control. And, you know, it's not just this country. It's many countries. We don't talk about it in the news. They don't talk about Mexico and Brazil and still parts of Europe, which actually got hit sooner than us. So it's a little ahead of us in that sense. But you take a look. Why don't they talk about Mexico, which is not helping us? And all I can say is, thank God I built most of the wall, because if I didn't have the wall up, we would have a much bigger problem with Mexico. But, sir, we have the seventh highest mortality rate in the world. Our mortality rate is higher than Brazil. Uh -oh. It's higher than Russia. And the European Union has us on a travel ban. Yeah, I think what we'll do, well, we have them on a travel ban, too, Chris. I close them off. If you remember, I was the one that did the European Union very early. But when you talk about mortality rates, I think it's the opposite. I think we have one of the lowest mortality rates true, in the sir. world. We, well, we, we're going to we take a, a look. We had 900 deaths on a single day. We will this, take a look. This week. Ready? I, you you can check it out. Can you please get me the mortality rate? Yeah. Kaylee's right here. I heard we had one of the lowest, maybe the lowest mortality I, rate anywhere in the world. Do you have the numbers, please? Because I heard we had the best mortality rate. His smirk, number, though. Number one low mortality rate. I hope you show the scenario because it shows what fake news is all about. Okay, okay go I don't ahead. think I'm fake news, but okay. I will, we'll, put well, our, there you are. we'll put our stats you on. You said we had the worst mortality rate in the world, I and we have the best. The all right, it's a little complicated, rate. but bear with us. We went with numbers from Johns Hopkins University, which charted the mortality rate for 20 countries hit by... Johns Hopkins University, right? We've talked about that the virus. The U.S. ranked seventh, better than the United Kingdom, but worse than Brazil and Russia. The White House went with this chart from the European CDC, which shows Italy and Spain doing worse, but countries like Brazil and South Korea doing better. Other countries doing better, like Russia, aren't included in the White House chart. So what is he telling you? So he's going back to authorities. What is he telling you? They are confusing the public. There is no transparency as to cause, 
uh, symptoms. They're just giving you generic symptoms, right? Uh, testing, the validated tests and non-validated. I mean, now we've taken their ability to, to collect the numbers and give them to John Hopkins and put them through whatever. The stories are endless of people signing up to go get tested. Uh, the line was too long. Why in the world did they sign up to go get tested anyway? Right? And so they sign up. It's too long. They leave. And then they get a call days later. Hey, you tested positive. Well, how's that possible? Didn't take the test. Yeah, well, the test here says you did. Let's talk about how Africa sent them pawpaw and, you know, goat DNA. And that tested positive, too. This is a sham. A sham that they already knew would expire the day after elections. A sham, a sham, a sham, and you are part of the show. Welcome to the Truman Show, because Truman started all of this. I know. Yes, he did. He did it. So, you know, defunding the WHO was step one. We need to defund a lot more organizations that are so deeply embedded. You know, because we've been here on the radio for years. Well, yeah, it is years. I could say years, right? Because it's almost three full years. And I've been saying you have no idea just how deep the deep state is. And at the core of it, the foundations that dictate law in this nation are the courts. And these clowns would not be able to get away with anything if they didn't have the courts on their side. Now, if you go back to my show from 2018 and 2019, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg had seasonal cancer again, I mean, this woman has been, is more cancer than human. Uh, you know, I was saying there's no transparency. This chick was getting chemotherapy and she was putting out opinions at the Supreme Court. How do you do that when you're drugged up? There is no transparency whatsoever. Do they tell the president, hey, our Supreme Court justices, two of them, that was Chief Justice Roberts and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, were in the hospital. If you remember, I tweeted back in February that SCOTUSgate begins on May 5th. On May 5th, we heard they went into hospital. On May 5th, we had scares. On May 5th, everything started to roll. Now, what's happening starting tomorrow? Gosh, guys, the timelines are neck and neck. There's 33% chances. Now, I'm going to tell you this straight. Brennan and Clapper are going to be doing a perp walk publicly. Those two are going to be publicly maimed. Now, I am more than happy. I'm more than happy because at this time, from my opinion, it's better that we bring out the loaded stars. Because the one thing that Barack Hussein Obama did was establish and buy loyalty. And where do we see the biggest riff? We saw it when they all came against President Trump. And who was it? Oh, man. You know, for those of you that have served like myself, those of you that are serving right now, those of you that are wives or children of those who have served, your stomach is going to turn when this comes out. I'm just saying. Because you will realize uh, what I meant by Praetorians. Praetorians. They protect the ruler, not the people, the ruler, not the people. And you have to ask yourself, who's the ruler? That'll come out because that's kind of ancient, man. That'll come out. But the bottom line is what we need to see first, in my opinion, even though I would love to have, you know, uh, my old bosses just be perped out. <laughs> Hayden, it's going to be your turn soon. Uh, all of them, 
all of them be perped out. The one thing I want to see first, even though it's showing that it's going to go that way first, and even though it's meant to be that tomorrow it starts on them, I would prefer that we get to the loaded stars, not the load star, the loaded stars. That's where we need to start because that's where the problem is. And for all of you, it is a very, very, very big deal. Um, it is one that's going to have egg on our face as a nation. Uh, people that are on the fence, you know, the ones that are constantly complaining, oh, I don't see anything being done yet, yet they're still at home. They're still this. You have no idea in what condition they are. You really think Hillary Clinton is tweeting? You really think Joe Biden is tweeting? You really think Brennan is tweeting? There's others. And this is what the reason for the hack was. We'll get into that later on in the show. You need to understand just how, just how things move along. If you remember, back in 2019, I had mentioned the Justice Department and the FBI specifically. I had mentioned how Christopher Wray is perfect for the position because what do we see? If we want to find an anthill, right, the, the, the lair, we got to follow an ant. Okay, and we got to see where and how they communicate. Who do they hire? What do they do? Uh, I mean, anytime I've had a target, that's exactly what I did. You look at the peripheries. Uh, You know, I I even said (laughs) that was so weird. You know, when things were going, why were 12 state attorney generals on a specific team? No one listened. Uh, I mean, I know who was listening. Uh. I know where communications are going because I I hope you understood um, and you are starting to understand that sometimes certain accounts through Twitter, through Facebook, through whatever means are not communicating with the people, but with their people, the team and decoys. And nobody knows who is who. I'm saying that again, kind of like when the... um, Seth Rich debacle when, uh, you know, we had obtained a copy of that DNC server. Uh, you know, we don't, I don't know who was on the team, their numbers and letters. Uh, if we stood next to each other, we wouldn't know each other. That's how it works. Because if you do know, then the other person is compromised and so on and so on. And like I even said in, in, in my email to Seth Rich's family's attorney, you know, why I am the only one out of the group that you've contacted. So I'm out there for everybody. I'm good. I'm game. I'm solid. And I also made sure even though it's really, for those of you that know me on a more personal level, you understand the past year, how insane it has been for me. Completely insane. And I had to make a choice. And, and the good thing is, even though, you know, I, I, I moved to a place where FedEx guys can't turn up at my door. They can't. They're not allowed to. If somebody can come with a subpoena and they're not allowed to come up. Unless I come down and say, hey, no one can come up. So, you know, I made sure with the pressure that I had because I was pushed into that situation uh, by forces unknown, godly, thank God. You know, I pray and, you know, um, my creator, your creator, our God is benevolent. Uh, 
he, he, he loves us all. If we're listening, we can hear it too. And here's where you're going to hear the screeching. Just listen to the screeching. California, locking down again. Florida, deadliest day of the entire pandemic. Uh, hospitals at capacity in a number of places around the country. Shortages of testing, shortages of personal protective equipment for nurses and doctors. A lot of people say this is because we don't have a national plan. You talk about states. We don't have a national plan. Do you take responsibility for that? Look, I take responsibility always for everything because it's ultimately my job, too. I have to get everybody in line. Some governors have done well. Some governors have done poorly. They're supposed to have supplies. They didn't have. I supplied everybody. Now we have somewhat of a surge in certain areas and other areas we're doing great. But we have a surge in certain areas. But you don't hear people complaining about ventilators. We've got all the ventilators we can use. We're supplying them to other countries. We go out into parking lots and everything. Everybody gets a test. We find if we did half the testing, with all of that being said, I'm glad we did it. This is the right way to do it. I'm glad we did what we're doing. But we have more tests by far than any country in the world. But, sir, testing is up 37 percent. Well, that's good. I understand. Cases are up 194%. It isn't just the testing has gone up, it's that the virus has spread. The positivity rate has increased. There, many the, the of virus those is cases, worse than it was. Many of those cases are young people that would heal in a day. They have the sniffles and we put it down as a test. Many of them, don't forget, I guess it's like 99.7%. People are going to get better, and in many cases, they're going to get better very quickly. We go out and we look, and then on the news, look, if you go back to the news, all of your, even your wonderful competitors, you'll see cases are up. Well, cases are up. Many of those cases shouldn't even be cases. Cases are up because we have the best testing in the world, and we have the most testing. No country has ever done what we've done in terms of testing. He's right. We've tested everybody and their mother. We have everyone on a file, and unfortunately, he said, don't go out and get tested. He's been telling you what to do. He's been telling you what to do. But, you know, again, we hear, not listen. Uh, You know, if anybody forces you to take a test, that's a problem. Uh, That's against the law. You know, these are these are things that, you know, we need to um, pay attention to. The, the, The what the media is pushing is exactly what they want you to do. Uh, that's the thing. Now we're going to get to the Bernie Sanders, uh, Joe Biden conversation. I want you guys to hear this because, you know, Millie Weaver has uh, penetrated and uh, the source that we have there. I've been sitting there looking and reading and participating. You know, I actually phone bank for AOC, Rashida, uh, Joe Biden. I red pilled a lot of people. Uh, it was, it was pretty incredible. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, everybody should join in their stuff is open so you can freely call call the people they're calling and say, you know, if you hire, if you, if you hire them, because that's what you're doing when you're voting for, you know, if you vote for them, they're going to kill you. You know, if you vote for them, you're going to be in bread lines. You know, if you vote for them, you'll never have a job. You know, if you vote for them, that's the type of stuff I was saying. Uh, obviously, I wasn't kicked off because then I'll just use, you know, after I did a few on that day, I went in with another persona and got in and continued because it's all online. That's how AOC had China phone banking for her. Set their police force. Liberal Democrats have been running cities in this country for decades. Poorly. 
Why is it so bad right now? Uh, they've run them poorly. It was always bad, but now it's gotten totally out of control. And it's really because they wanted to fund the police. And Biden wants to fund, to fund no, he, the police. Sir, he does not. Look, he signed a charter with Bernie Sanders. I will get that one, just like I was right on the mortality rate. Did you read the charter that he agreed to? It says to nothing with, about defunding the oh, police. Oh, really? It says abolish. It says a fund. Let's go. All right. Get well, me, you, get you, me the charter, please. All right. Because you've got to start studying for these. He incidents. says defund the police. He says defund the police. They talk about abolishing the police. They talk about illegal I'm, I'm, aliens. It's not about the Green New Deal and stopping climate change. It's stopping and actually political change. And for him to nitpick, oh, it doesn't spell it out, abolish the police. It's like, yeah, what are you, five? Are you five? That's what you need it to do. Spell it out with a speaking spell so you can understand it. Wallace, that's ridiculous. Uh, there's thousands of pages in this Green New Deal, which, again, I've pointed to all these private equity firms that are showing trees and trees and trees. Uh, it's not about that. I tweeted out, you know, screenshots of the plan, which is, you know, a change of government, not climate change it's change of government and they're looking to defund the pentagon like this is pure insanity but you know they have uh, loaded stars lined up for them I look, forward, I look forward to seeing that meanwhile the george floyd murder has reignited the issue of racism in policing in this country i want to give you a couple of statistics nationwide blacks are twice as likely fewer in absolute numbers but in terms of per capita Blacks are twice as likely to be shot and killed by police as whites are. In Minneapolis, over the last five years, police use force against... Okay, let's stop. Let's just throw in another statistic. 98% of the crimes that are committed in Minneapolis, these are statistics, are committed by black Americans and, shall I say, black refugees in Minnesota. So obviously, if you're engaging in crime and you're engaging in crime and confronted by the police, your statistics are higher, even though they're fewer, that you're going to get shot. Uh, that's the way it usually is. Kind of like truck drivers have more uh, car accidents than a regular driver that just drives from their house to the supermarket because they're out on the road more. I mean, come on. It's like they're, they're, they're putting out information and they're explaining it they, the way they want to see here's 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 the hue truth has no color what is the color that lacks all colors it's stark white it's clear you can see it this is a hue this is like you know urine yellow this is this is urine yellow what a what a bad uh analogy so this is what they're doing they're skewing the facts you know and portraying them they're telling a story which reminds me how we're going to get into uh, a story, a story that, you know, indicates <laughs> just how all of this works. Let me hop over to another clip that I have for you. One of my most favorite films, actually, that was so truthful. Uh, you know, it shook me to the core. Really, it did. And this is a two minute clip. And for those of you that haven't watched Wag the Dog, I highly suggest you do. Hold on. Let's, for those that are watching, I want you to be able to see it. Here we go. Sally, uh, what are you doing? What am I doing? I'm on a 
call somebody up. <laughs> Stan, that's very funny. I'm going to get these people straight. Well, you can't do that, Stanley. Watch me. Stanley? Stanley. Stanley, you knew that. Stanley. What? Stanley, you knew the deal when you signed up. Oh, come on. Deal's changed. No, no, no. Let's re- sure it is. Stanley, listen to me. What? Let's rethink that ambassadorship. I'm talking London, I'm talking Paris, I'm talking a secret account for your extra expenses, getting laid whenever you want, Marine Guards will salute you all the time. No, it's tempting, but I got to answer to a higher calling. That sounds kind of like the conversation Bill Taylor had with Robert Storch back in 2008, I'm pretty sure. Art. Oh, money? Okay. okay. Money. 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 You it's think I money? did this for money? Uh, I did this for credit. But you always... For credit. You always knew you couldn't take the credits. Stanley. That's one thing. But I'm not going to stand here and let two dickheads from film school take it. Stanley, Stanley, listen to me. Now, what are All you right, talking right, about? No you're fooling. nuts, Stanley. No fooling. What? You're playing with your life now. Oh, fuck my life. Fuck my life. I want the credit. The credit. Do you know what the New York Times said about my last picture? They call it a thrill ride for the ages, but they didn't mention the producer. They talked about the costumes. But they never talked about the producer. Do you know what that picture grows? And I don't understand here. And let some limp dick film school pansy take the credit. What? You can't do it. Don't you tell me that. Don't you ever tell me that. I'm the producer of this show. If I didn't step up, you're nowhere. I put this thing together out of spit and polish. Look at that. That is a complete fucking fraud. And it looks 100% real. So just for context, for those of you listening to me on your terrestrial waves and streaming me on radio, this is Dustin Hoffman's character who invented a war, who uh, coaxed the world to think that we were at war with Albania, um, and who created this big presser with all his special effects. And the conversation you heard where you can have everything, you'll have ambassadorship, you'll have this, that's the deep state. This is why I tell you. All the idiots at the State Department, every single one of them, every single one of them are clowns. They have no idea what they're doing. They're throwing stuff up against the wall, hoping it sticks, while others pull the strings. That's basically it. And we have producers. And I said this over two months ago. Why is the Biden campaign hiring state-of-the-art makeup artists, programmers for special effects, think 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 i mean you saw the product of it uh yesterday with kamala harris it's the best work i've ever done in my life because it's so honest they told me i couldn't remake moby dick from the point of view of the whale for 150 million dollars domestic i'm not even talking about the video and i made this lame turkey fly i did it pure hollywood tell you right now for once in my life i will not be pissed on you hear me Yeah, that's the point where they were like, yep, let's take him out. That's what happened in the film at that point. And what's interesting is, is that a lot of people don't seem to understand how how they work, how they operate ambassadorships. Look at who's ambassador. Look at the people that are ambassadors. That's all you need to look at. Who's an ambassador? What have they accomplished? I mean, why do we still have Mark Straw sitting in this? State Department. Like, seriously. He was NSC. He was the right-hand man of crybaby Ben Rhodes, who sat on the corner like a wet JJ crying and contemplating his life because he knew exactly what was going to happen. See, those are the things people need to understand. This is how things 
work in their world. Now, I'm going to play another clip, just about a minute of it, so you can see just how much they dupe you, how the media is nothing but state-of-the-art, you know, graphics, uh, and how they uh, constantly tell us that they know best. And by they know best is... They put on a show, and I can tell you there's a lot of times in the past where all of you had been passionate and, um, in essence, were duped. Reaction to the flu. Who's got the story? Hey, don't you want to know if it's true? What difference does it make if it's true? It's a story, and it breaks. They're going to have to run with it. Yeah, right, right. How long we got till it breaks? Front page, Washington Post tomorrow. Oh, well, yeah, no, that's not good. Okay. Just got to distract them. Got less than two weeks till the election. What in the world would do that? What in the world would do that? I'm working on it. Uh, I'm working on it. To go for smart bomb falling down a chimney, 2,500 missions a day, 100 days. One video of one bomb, Mr. Moss. The American people bought that war. Mm-hmm. War is show business. You want me to produce your war? Not a war, it's a pageant. We need a theme, a song, some visuals. We need, you know, it's a pageant. It's a, it's, it's a pageant. It's a pageant, that's what it is. Country's a war. It's Mr. America and your bird parks. Why Albania? Because, well, they have to have something we want. Well, I'm sure they do. What do we have that they want? A little freedom? Well, why would they want that? Oppressing? No, 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 fuck freedom. They want to they wanna destroy the godless Satan of the United States. They want to destroy our way of life, all right? Albanian terrorists have placed a suitcase bomb in Canada in an attempt to infiltrate the bomb into the USA. Oh, that's good. The president's going to go to war with Albania in about 30 minutes. And we're in Albania? No, we're not declaring war. We're going to war. We haven't declared war since the Second World War. We're going to war. The president of the United States has said that he apologizes for the need for secrecy, and he assures that it is necessary for the safety of the men and women in combat. He says that the Republic of Albania, long a staging ground for terrorism around the world, he is mentioning that a state of war is or is about to happen between the United States and the Republic of Albania. Do you know who we are? I'm afraid that's the trouble, Miss Ames. This is where the good guys stop them. Two things I know to be true. There's no difference between good flan and bad flan. And there is no war. We show, and NSA confirms, there are no nuclear devices on the Canadian border. There are no nuclear devices in Albania. Albania has no nuclear capacity. Our spy satellites show no secret terrorist training camps in the Albanian hinterland. The Border Patrol, the FBI, the RC... And just so you know, that guy's not from the NSA because they don't control the satellites. There's another agency that's filled with great people. Another agency that finally got a title in a home. An agency that's being created, oh, so many years late, I really wish I was part of it. Um, what, has YouTube, like, uh, put me off? Have they cut me off? I'm trying to see. Everyone's upset with YouTube. Okay. Stream suspended for policy violations. Okay. Well, I'm still talking. Um, Maybe it'll bring me back uh, and I'll be resuscitated at some point, probably for violations. Uh, I am still streaming. Can you guys hear me? Uh, (laughs) I don't know if my YouTube uh, can actually see it. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> Do you know who run the wars? Do you know who are the leaders and the producers of these shows? Yes, the leaders of these shows are all loaded stars. Loaded stars, loaded stars, my my pretty loaded stars. So we're going to go back in time to a report about a loaded star. Just a one-minute clip for you guys to listen and see. Uh, I don't know if I'm back on YouTube, but I am on Facebook and uh, Twitch and on Periscope and obviously on the air. Um, let's see, which one? There we go. Take a listen to this. Star General, who was once the second highest ranking officer in the entire U.S. military, pleaded guilty in a case involving a leak of top secrets. David Martin has that. General James Cartwright, now retired but once known as President Obama's favorite general, pled guilty to a crime which could send him to prison. Responding to questions from a federal judge, Cartwright, who served as vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs, admitted he lied to FBI agents investigating leaks of classified information to two journalists. David Sanger of the New York Times, and Daniel Clayman, at the time a correspondent for Newsweek. Sanger is the reporter who revealed the so-called Stuxnet cyber attacks conducted against Iran's nuclear program. U.S. and Israeli intelligence secretly hacked into the computers which ran the centrifuges Iran used to enrich uranium, causing them to spin out of control. Cartwright admitted to providing information classified top secret to both Sanger and Clayman and then lying about it to FBI agents. In a statement, he said it was wrong for me to mislead the FBI. His attorney said Cartwright was just trying to talk the reporters out of publishing sensitive secrets they already had. The crime carries a sentence of up to five years in prison, but Cartwright's attorney said the government has already agreed to recommend a sentence of six months. All right, so Cartwright lied to the FBI, right? Uh, he lied about um, state secrets uh, that he released, and we're going to talk about those state secrets today because it's important that you understand them. And um, he got time. Uh, and, you know, everybody, even Barack Hussein Obama, came out and said, oh, uh, you know, how it's unprecedented that, uh, you know, uh, Flynn would be allowed to not go to jail. Joint Chiefs of Staff General James Cartwright was among 64 people to receive a presidential pardon Tuesday. Cartwright pleaded not guilty in October 2016 to lying to the FBI about his conversations with New York Times reporter David Sanger regarding U.S. efforts to cripple Iran's nuclear program with the Stuxnet virus. Stuxnet. We're going to talk about that. Um, that was actually created by a pretty interesting team through a mission known as Operation Merlin. Now, in 2015, former CIA officer Jeffrey Sterling was sentenced to three and a half years in federal prison, also for talking to a reporter about Operation Merlin, which he believed was unconstitutional. Yet Sterling did not receive a pardon or commutation yesterday. His wife, Holly Sterling, joins us now to discuss her husband's case. Uh, always great. 
So here's the thing. What Barack Hussein Obama did, just for those to know, because we're coming up to a break for the radio station now uh, in about two minutes, I want you guys to know that we're going to be talking about what you see on the banner. And for those of you that do not, it's called Operation Olympic Games. Do you know where the Olympic Games were founded? Yeah, they were founded in Greece. Just saying. And so you're going to understand exactly what Stuxnet Dukes is. And they keep spelling it wrong. It's D-U-Q-U. It's Duke. And you're going to understand what happened in Iran. You're going to understand everything. You're going to understand how they control nations and what they do. And you're also going to understand why the president said we are not accepting Chinese equipment. Because, you know, at that time, you know, smart people got together because they thought that they were creating weapons uh, to attack enemies. Uh, you know, and they've been using those weapons against the people ever since. And obviously, General Cartwright is a Marine. And Barack Hussein Obama, on the 17th of January, pardoned him. Pardons don't buy loyalty from Marines. Do they? I mean, they work with the Navy. <laughs> you know, I'm so upset with the Navy. It's always the Navy, right? McRaven, I could just keep going because you need to look at the loaded stars. Uh, we're going to go through my article from yesterday and I'm going to walk you through Operation Olympic Games because that's going to answer a lot of the questions. I'll see you in a bit. Welcome back, everyone. Okay, so I had a lot of, uh, you know, technical issues, but nothing can stop anything. Um, and yes, I have been wagging the dog uh, since 1995 when I first took my oath. Uh, and I was supposed to be wagging the dog on our enemies. And I was wagging the dog on our enemies. And we created things to wag the dog on our enemies, uh, you know, uh, for years. Because reality hacking, right, is reprogramming how someone thinks. Bombard you with information so that you think one way. So you accept the way. The fancy way of, you know, the more mainstream speech of that is called localizing. Localizing is how it goes. You guys can look it up. It's L10N, localization. Uh, I mean, if someone would ask... You know, what are you? Oh, well, I'm a trained linguist and I specialize in localization. Uh, and, you know, to be a localizer, you also have to be <laughs> someone that understands um, human nature, language, culture, and everything in between. So I thought um, we can go 
to a really interesting clip. Uh, this is from DARPA TV. <laughs> and I want you to listen to this um, uh, retired general that was pardoned by Barack Hussein Obama. But we're just going to listen to the beginning of what they had to say, which is called enterprise disruption. Have you guys ever heard that where they talk about disruption, tech disruption? It's a really big, you know, drop word for advancing. Oh, we're going to disrupt, disrupt the industry, disrupt this. Listen carefully to what DARPA had to say. This is going to tell you just here. Hearing this isn't going to make sense. I need you to listen to it. I'll put the the closed captions too in case the you office, Dr. Fred Kennedy. I'm going to talk to you today about disruption. Disruption of enterprises, disruption of architectures, disruption of bureaucracies, but most of all, disruption of culture. I want to talk about disruption in relation to DARPA's mission, which is to create or prevent technological surprise. We create technological surprise for our adversaries, but we prevent it for ourselves. DARPA was born out of Sputnik in 1957, and frankly, Sputnik scared us. We realized we'd been caught flat-footed, and we knew we had to change. The United States resolved not to ever again allow an adversary to leapfrog us technologically. Those of you that don't know what this is, this is the space race, Sputnik. So suddenly, you know, Russia catapulted a low, you know, I would say a lower altitude-ish, if you want to say it, uh, satellite into orbit, uh, you know, and it just rotated as much as it could till its batteries died. And, you know, the United States was like, oh, my gosh, that's so not fair. We want to be there. Let me tell you something. Remember what President Trump said? Do you remember what he said? He said that space is a war domain. Hmm. Keep that in mind as you listen to the rest of this, uh, you know, two minutes that I'm going to play. So what did we do? We stood up NASA. We stood up the National Reconnaissance Office. We built the Saturn F1 engine, the global positioning system, stealth platforms, J-STARS, Predator and Global Hawk drones the Pegasus launch vehicle, and many other systems that our warfighters depend upon today. That legacy of innovation and brilliance has bought us decades of dominance, but now it's time we take stock. Our systems are very, very capable, but they're exquisite and they're expensive. They require decades and billions of dollars to develop, field, and sustain. And this poses a problem. So let's talk about that problem for a minute. I'll illustrate with just a few examples. The F-35 multi-role fighter. Development of the F-35 began in 1992. First flight occurred in December of 2006, and the Marine Corps only declared its first squadron ready to deploy on 31 July 2015. Now that's 23 years between the start of a development program and the first deployment of aircraft to a combat squadron. How about space? Well, let's take the space-based infrared system, or SIBRS, something I'm familiar with. It's a follow-on to a very successful and long-running ballistic missile early warning effort, the Defense Support Program. 
Requirements development for SIBRs began back in 1994, right after the Gulf War, the first Gulf War. The first SIBRs geosynchronous spacecraft was not launched until 2011, and the objective constellation, which means all of the satellites in the architecture, weren't fully populated until earlier this year in January of 2018. That's 24 years. Finally, let's take an example from the maritime domain. The USS Gerald R. Ford, the lead ship in its class of new aircraft carriers. Congress provided advanced procurement funding back in 2001. Northrop Grumman began advanced construction around 2005 in the only shipyard that the U.S. has that can actually build a large-deck nuclear-powered carrier. So I'm going to um, stop that right there. He said something about disrupting culture, and that's what's important. So he brings on a special guest where um, they talk about space and uh, capitalizing on it. So here we have DARPA introducing him, and um, it's that guy that got the pardon last minute from Barack Hussein Obama, who said, oh, it's unprecedented that someone that would lie to the FBI, well, uh, he didn't lie, he was entrapped, Cartwright actually lied, and he did leak information because he wanted the world to know. It's not a crime if you leak information when something is unconstitutional, yet he paid the price and he was recruited. But I have faith that Marines do not get bought. That's one thing that I've been taught hanging out with a lot of jarheads, that they don't get bought. Right, Cartwright? Hope you're listening. Sir, good to have you here. Thank you. So what we're going to do, folks, is we're going to have a dialogue here for the next 40 or so minutes on how disruption will impact our physical domains of warfare. Uh, and I'd like to start by saying uh, we'll work through each of them. You can see them on the chart. At least I can see them on my charts. Um, there you go. That's perfect. We will walk through space first, and we may spend a little more time on space to start, <laughs> just because there's a, there's a lot of interest in it right now. Uh, and so we'll try to go into some of that, including some of the organizational issues that are out there. At that, we'll also transition at that point to maritime, which has uh, features which are very similar to space, and then we'll go to ground and air. So, sir, what I thought we'd do is uh, I'll just start by asking you, what do you think of uh, disruption as a, uh, as a construct for how we move forward, uh, especially in the space domain, given the fact that we have large, exquisite systems that we typically take a long time Terrifying. to Terrifying. So. Uh, one, thank you for the opportunity of um, with a couple of your friends here. But, um, you know, the disruption side um, is something uh, in space that has given us a, a card that, um, you know, has, has done, done great things for us. Probably the largest transition that we've gone through is the realization right now um, that while space is still the high ground, it's no longer a sanctuary. And you, you mentioned that in your remarks. Okay. So I'm going to stop it there. I just wanted you guys that are watching to see his face. Another general. Yes. And now I want us to move on to um, this 60 Minutes report that had uh, happened a while back in regards to that debacle. 
it's important that you understand what they say. And I'm going to tell you the truth today. Okay. For the past few months now, the nation's top military, intelligence, and law enforcement officials have been warning Congress and the country about a coming cyber attack against critical infrastructure in the United States that could affect everything from the heat in your home to the money in your bank account. The warnings have been raised before, but never with such urgency, because this new era of warfare has already begun. The first attack, using a computer virus called Stuxnet, was launched several years ago against an Iranian nuclear facility, almost certainly with some U.S. involvement. Almost certainly. So you understand what Stuxnet is. It is malware. And I'm going to simplify this. Um, because when you create software, you have to think of its implementation, how you can load it on a system, how you can deploy it, how you can use it to your advantage and have it do what you want it to do. So Stuxnet was a project that, uh, that people worked on, <laughs> that know it all too well. It was coined Operation Olympic Games. You know, um, and it had one target to be able to control those that the Clintons had enslaved. Now, I had done a whole show explaining to you guys, and I don't remember how long ago, could have been a year ago. Um, where I explained the enrichment of uranium, how far back it went, how we put that in place in, in Iran and, and Russia and Argentina and France and how and who and how they separate because, you know, uranium one is a very big deal and it is not understood. It's all about energy. And uh, Enron is coming back in the picture. And I'm really hoping that uh, the chatter that I hear that, uh, you know, she's going to bow out sick bye. I hope it doesn't happen because I would love to see her again, pull one of those. What difference does it make? Because I want to see her in the corner. Um, even though I shouldn't, I should forgive. <sighs> it's so hard, isn't it? So what you're about to hear and the faces you're about to see uh, in the next three minutes, uh, for those of you watching, is going to really <laughs> upset you because it goes back to the beginning. I'm taking you to the beginning so you understand how they got away. They didn't get away. How they've been spying on the president of the United States up until today. I've already told you who's in charge of that. Uh, but you're going to understand the origins of this. This is why I've always been talking about weapons of mass destruction. The Bush era. Ashcroft, Mueller, and Comey tag team. And a name that nobody talks about, with the, which is David Cuthbertson. Like, where's he at? So uh, these are people that need to come into focus. Obviously, like I've said, we've got loaded stars that are backing all of this. But the implications and the possible consequences are only now coming to light. The story will continue in a moment. I do believe that uh, the cyber threat will equal or surpass the threat from counterterrorism in the foreseeable future. There's a strong likelihood that the next Pearl Harbor that we confront could very well be a cyber attack. 
<laughs> That's funny because Mueller knew exactly what Operation Olympic Games is. You know, he was actually, oh my gosh, right? Here they are lying to the people, telling them all these things. Did you see Mueller? Yeah, did you see him? We will suffer a catastrophic cyber attack. The clock is ticking. And there's reason for concern. For more than a decade, the U.S. military establishment has treated cyberspace as a domain of conflict, where it would need the capability to fend off attack or launch its own. That time is here because someone sabotaged a top-secret nuclear installation in Iran with nothing more than a long string of computer code. We have entered into a new phase of conflict in which we use a cyber weapon to create physical destruction. Oh, you mean like the fires that were going on in, I in Iran yesterday and the day before? Let me tell you. He Remember, the president said, we don't want any Huawei. We don't want any Chinese equipment. Here's why. Uh, and I'm going to simplify this with a router that everybody understands, like a Wi-Fi modem, whatever. Okay? So let's just use the word router. So I create a router for you. And you purchase it. Could be Cisco. It's a router like Cisco. And so uh, this router has to have software to understand what needs to be done. You plug the Ethernet cable in. It needs to know that it needs to connect to the Internet. Uh, you connect a device. It needs to know that it should accept the device or reject the device. It needs to have uh, basic programming in order to be able to sustain whatever its job it is to do, which in this case of a router, is to reroute and distribute the internet. Now, I'm creating the device, so I've decided, well, why are you trying to put spies in Iran? That's just dumb. Well, what do you think, Tori, we should do? Well, maybe we should, you know, do what the Greeks did, you know, get some gymnastics in there. What do you mean? Well, do you know the history of the Olympic Games? The whole point of the Olympic Games was to have the people that you want to win first and to do their job. Oh, okay. So what are you suggesting? Well, maybe hidden in the software that's supposed to be regulating the centrifuges, maybe we can create a piece of software that can also mess them up, that can also cause destabilization. So if they mess around too much, we can overheat them and tell them sayonara, Iran, sayonara, so-and-so. Same thing with the router. So, you know, if someone would say, Tori, how are we going to spy on people? Well, I don't know. Maybe we should load some malware in there that twins the stream to somewhere else. Maybe it can be flying off to Luxembourg somewhere. Uh, what do you want to call it? I don't know. We, since it's approaching on the quantum side, we should call it Duke. D-U-Q-U. And, uh, you know, we can deploy it as such. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are we seeing now, you guys? The president's been talking about this, hasn't he? So here we are. We created a war with Iran, right? Based on software we created to control them. Are you getting this now? So I want you to see just how these clowns operate and look at the familiar faces. <laughs> and in this case, physical destruction and someone else's critical infrastructure. Few people know more about the dark military art of cyber war than retired General Michael Hayden. He's a former head of the National Security Agency and was CIA director under George W. Bush. 
he knows a lot more about the attack on Iran than he can say here. Yeah, so funny story. One day I was in a skiff and I was tasked to, you know, come up with an idea. And so I was thinking with a bunch of other people. And so there was this um, back then, I mean, you would think that we didn't have, but we had some really cool phones that look like speakers, like today's spider phones. So as I'm sitting there, I'm obviously hungry and there's French fries. And so what did I do? I destroyed very expensive equipment with ketchup. And so I <laughs> destroyed very expensive equipment with ketchup because, you know, I couldn't get the packet open. And then when I squeezed it out, it just the angle just went straight there. And, you know, and then we couldn't talk because other people needed to listen, whatever. So I just thought I'd share that personal story uh, because, you know, uh, that guy was really upset because he couldn't hear what we were saying. And we had to stop. And this is where ideas were born. Uh, ideas of how to infiltrate uh, the way um, we should in the next era. Hmm. You know, when you think that it's a weapon that you have as a failsafe to control your enemies, you know, when you look at it in retrospect, you were like, oh my gosh, I was such a tool. I really believed that every single person that has a star would totally abide by the oath, but apparently they're Praetorians. But, you know, you keep your mouth shut and you open it when you have to. This was a good idea, all right? But I also admit, this was a really big idea, too. The rest of the world is looking at this and, say, and saying, clearly someone has legitimated this kind of activity as acceptable international conduct. The whole world is watching. The story of what we know about the Stuxnet virus begins in June of 2010, when it was first detected and isolated by a tiny company in Belarus after one of its clients in Iran complained about a software glitch. Within a month... A Wait, you mean the Russians, huh, listen to this, found that we had embedded code to be able to destabilize their nuclear reactors. So why would the Russians know this? Here's why. If you listen back to my show, I explained to you that Iran, and I'm going to just simplify this because uh, during that show, I actually went into more of the molecular detail and the reasons and how when we talked about Uranium One. But to, just for basics, you have to understand that Iran's been taken, was tasked over 50 years ago to enrich uranium to a certain percentage. And then once they did, they would send that off to Russia and then they would take over and then from Russia it would go to France and then Argentina and then the cycle would start again. Uh, th th this is just bare bones basic. So here we are where the Russians are like, yo, someone's like totally hacked your network. Uh, who gave you that stuff and software? Oh, the Americans did. I see. So the network is able to remote control through whatever to destabilize you when they want to activate it with certain codes. This is what's happening. Copy of the computer bug was being analyzed within a tight-knit community of computer security experts, and it immediately grabbed the attention of Liam Omerku, an operations manager for Symantec, one of the largest antivirus companies in the world. As soon as we saw it, we knew it was something completely different, and red flags started to go up straight away. 
To begin with, Stuxnet was incredibly complicated and sophisticated, beyond the cutting edge. It had been out in the wild for a year without drawing anyone's attention and seemed to spread by way of USB thumb drives, not over the Internet. <laughs> yeah, like I said, now we're going to go, now that you saw, well, let me just play a few more seconds and then we'll go to my article so you understand exactly what they did to cover up for Hillary Clinton. Omerku's job was to try and unlock its secrets and assess the threat for Symantec's clients by figuring out what the malicious software was engineered to do and who was behind it. How long was the Stuxnet code? You're talking tens of thousands of lines of code, a very, very long project, very well written, very professionally written and very difficult to analyze. Unlike the millions of worms and viruses that turn up on the Internet every year, this one was not trying to steal passwords, identities or money. Stuxnet appeared to be crawling around the world computer by computer looking for some sort of industrial operation that was using a specific piece of equipment, a Siemens S7300 programmable logic controller. This gray box here is essentially what runs uh, factory floors. And you program this box to control your equipment. And you say, turn on a conveyor belt, uh, turn on a heater, turn on a cooler, shut the plant down. Um, it's all contained in that, in that box. And that's what Stuxnet was looking for. It wanted to get its malicious code onto that box. The Programmable Logic Controller, or PLC, is one of the most critical pieces of technology you've never heard of. They contain circuitry and software essential for modern life and control the machines that run traffic lights, assembly lines, oil and gas pipelines, not to mention water treatment facilities, electric companies, and nuclear power plants. And that was very worrying to us because we thought it could have been a water treatment facility here in the U.S. or it could have been trying to take down electricity plants here in the U.S. The first breakthrough came when Omerku and his five-man team discovered that Stuxnet was programmed to collect information every time it infected a computer and to send it on to two websites in Denmark and Malaysia. So I'm going to stop right there. So just so that you understand, through portable devices or through hardware, uh, this uh, supposed code imposes itself to read and understand what's happening, how it's happening, and who it's happening by, and to be able to alter functions of factories, a.k.a. nuclear power plants. This is where the weapons of mass destruction BS comes in. See, we were working on this from 1998. Clinton had actually funded it. This is why they pushed out to upgrade equipment, to push out pipelines, etc., etc., etc. So this is why the president is saying they can hijack anything. They can do anything. They can manipulate anything. They can turn off traffic lights, power grids, everything. Because you won't be able to see that software until somebody wants to use it. And this goes back to the DNC server. So after the break, we're going to go and see how this Russia hoax was manufactured, how they did it, why they did it, and when they did it, um, and why the FBI paid CrowdStrike to cover it all up. Forgotten men and women of our country 
will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. All right. Now, welcome back. All right. So great uh, statements. How about airplanes? How about, you know, planes just falling out of the sky? Now you get it. Now you get it. Now you get why Cartwright had to say something. Why he had to say something because he did not want this to go on. Now you get it. Now I'm going to take you through um, exactly what has been uh, happening and right under 
under our nose through testimony. I'm going to pull up the um, Permanent Select Com- Committee on Intelligence report. Uh, let me share for those that are watching so you can see uh, just how uh, <laughs> insane this is. Give me a sec. Let's pull it up. All right. So I'm going to search for the word that's misspelled as Dukes. All right. So we're going to read through some testimony here. Um, question. So in September of 2015, my understanding is that the DNC received a call from the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Is that correct? Yes. There was a phone call from an agent at the Federal Bureau of Investigation that was placed to the main DNC switchboard. How remedial. Uh, I'm saying that, not the person. That call was transferred to a help desk and a help desk personnel answered and transferred the call to me. And I took that call. And in that conversation with the person on the other line, I was asked uh, if I was able to corroborate to look into specific activities the FBI had noticed emanating from the DNC network that could be nefarious. And if I could take a look at our systems to see if I can corroborate that, if I could find any evidence to uh, corroborate their suspicions, how did you respond to the individual? So after this call, the first thing I did was start looking with my colleagues as to our firewall logs, our system logs to see if we can find evidence to corroborate what the person on the phone said, which, and, and, the question was, which was, what was he telling you that you should be looking for? He said, I remember specifically, he asked us for look to look at email. I'm sorry, not email, like web traffic that was hitting a website that ended with forward slash redacted. That was the only information we had. The agent didn't provide us with timestamps, meaning the date and time as to when the traffic had occurred or destination IP address or source from whence that traffic was coming. So I informed my direct supervisor, Andrew Brown, about the conversation and our efforts to investigate and corroborate, corroborate the information that we got from that phone call. And we found nothing. We couldn't confirm the type of traffic the FBI agent had mentioned on the phone. Now, in In addition to this redacted marker, did the FBI agent mention anything about attribution? What group or entity might be behind this activity? If I remember correctly, in that phone call, he mentioned that adversaries that may be on our network were referred to as Dukes, spelled D-U-K-E-S. And we did, me and my colleagues, look at an article, at any article we could find about Dukes, and we found one. And one of the things I should mention is that the FBI requested was that if we do any investigation, we should do it as stealthy a way as possible so that in case his suspicions were proven proven to be true that there were adversaries on our network we wouldn't tip hat to them and so we did so we looked at our systems at articles using systems that were not dnc systems or on the dnc network to read up on what dukes were we found one article if i remember correctly that were was written by the palo alto network which is a cybersecurity firm well cybersecurity a technology firm uh, specializing in cybersecurity in palo alto and Mr. Elias asked the question, conveniently have the, exactly. And we, and, but we didn't find, so they had some markers for us to look through. And we did that as well. In addition to what the FBI agent had recommended we do. And so we looked for those items. We found nothing on our networks to suggest that the FBI agent was suspecting were actually true. So this is what happened in September of 2015. Now I'm going to share my article 
Because in it, again, I put nice little Easter eggs to explain to you how Russia debacle was born. You have to understand that it was the Russians that, uh, you know, broke open uh, Stuxnet. They're the ones that detected it because they were the ones that, uh, you know, uh, discovered that our government had placed that software through devices to control nuclear reactors. This is a big problem. Imagine how many satellites have it. Imagine how many grids, power grids, water treatment plants, nuclear reactors, airplanes, helicopters. Are you paying attention now? Because this is really important. Because this, the FBI paying CrowdStrike, was simply to cover up this witch's emails. Okay, because it's not the emails about her nefarious activities, the fact that they use children as cattle, the fact that they are attracted to children, the fact that they do things to children. It's not that that is not what they were really trying to cover up. It's the stuff that was in those emails, those attachments, those conversations. So uh, this article dovetails to this uh, timeline. And I have timelines for almost everything because timelines seem to put things in perspective. So here's where the timeline starts. It starts in 2012, right? Um, Congress received information from an anonymous source that they had evidence that Hillary Clinton was using private emails and server for official use. Now, evidence of Hillary Clinton using emails, uh, personal emails for official use was always there. She did it in the 90s. Uh, she did it in the early 2000s. She did it as uh, Secretary of State. The thing is that at that point in 2012, what did we have happen? Benghazi. That was the tipping point. That is when everything started to come into action to kick off a domino effect. And this is where real Americans that had no fear and had nothing to lose, you know, whatever years God allows me to um, have still the few years that I have left in this reality may I at least, I wouldn't say redemption because I didn't do anything wrong. Um, Because, see, you can have a lot of information. You can have a, a lot of information. But even if you put it out there, if there's no one to receive it, what's the point? It's like me, you know, it's like someone going back in time to the time of Cleopatra, right? And saying, oh, let me take a picture. Look. You know, no one's going to understand how a camera works. No one's going to see it as something incredible or groundbreaking. They're going to fear it. This is why you don't provide information unless the timing is right. Like imagine if, you know, six years ago or during the trials of Cartwright, right? And these questionings, people actually explained to the American people just how big of a threat Operation Olympic Games was if they knew that they were funding it. I mean, you know, the book pretty much says it now Dukes, which is spelled D-U-Q-U. They've just evolved the spelling. Remember, I've told you about spelling 
right? How they obfuscate things with spelling. Uh, they change things like Osama bin Laden is really Osama bin Laden. So spelling is so that way you can't, you know, crawl it on the internet. You can't find it, you know, during files. They lock everything away by hiding it with little discrepancies. I mean, this is why uh, most people in, uh, you know, in the intelligence community have middle names and nicknames and whatnot. So anyway, continuing on this timeline, so you guys understand, that was the tipping point in September of 2012 that someone tipped off Congress. And you would say, well, why didn't they go to the inspector general? Are you kidding? Because the person that tipped off Congress obviously knows that they're all in bed together. Why didn't they go to their chain of command? Because they know that they're the ones approving this. I mean, they created this. They wanted this. They wanted Benghazi to happen. And people are understanding that. I mean, they maimed Chris, you know, Peronto because he spoke of it. Now, in November, without anybody knowing about this tip-off, Hillary Clinton changes her server to a Google one, a Google-friendly one. It was, a, it was a, a bespoke version of Google just for her. And then, right after she changes her so right, <laughs> after someone tipped her off already, congressional investigators asked her in writing if she uses personal emails. She ignored those questions. Rapid fire, Brennan is sworn in CIA director, ironically, on my birthday. And then on, in the same month, uh, Clinton emails were supposedly hacked and Guccifer leaked them. Now, let me tell you something about Guccifer. It doesn't exist. It is one of Brennan's personas. It's fake. They leaked a few of her emails to make it a problem. Right. That's the thing. They knew someone had it. So they leaked it and put it on a persona to allow them to start investigating who was the one from the annex that heard this. Who knew that she was using personal servers? How much of her server do they have? This is the only way you get it. If you're hacked, you have free reign to start deploying a lot of assets only if you're hacked. Right. Because Brennan couldn't just start an investigation. There had to be a hack. So there's the hack. Right. So then Brennan secretly starts what? Spying on Congress. I'm going to find out which person did this. Which person? Huh, I could tell you something. 2013, um, it was, uh, da, 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 da. I want to say it was, uh, so February, March, April, May, June. Brennan's exact words in my presence. I mean, I don't know who it is. It's got to be someone close by to us. All of you would never, you know, you understand the importance of national security. I just sipped on my straw and did that sneaky smile. Those that know me know exactly what I'm talking about. This, these, uh, these APTs, these cozy, fancy, dancing, stupid bears are all names of personas. Guccifer's a persona. It's not a team. Understand this. A persona, not a team. So right after he starts investigating Congress and because there was a hack and when he understood that it had to be an inside job, right? Hillary Clinton once again changes her server in July, even though the emails were released in March. Stop. <laughs> we know why she did it. Because she was then confronted. So April, key event that happened in this was that General Flynn was forced to retire. I, I, I stood there on the side of the room and I was pissed. 
Clapper and Brennan were so excited. They were, they were smiling. They were laughing. I was pissed. I was pissed because the person that was supposed to put a speech up was the one that was out there executing the mission that General Flynn had foreseen was going to happen. So I just stood there, like on the sidelines, kind of like an usher, right? I just stood there up against the wall, pissed. I just wanted to see who was there and what they were saying, and I was just paying attention. So that's basically what happened in April. Then in November, there started to be talk of over collections, section 702 over collections. That means that the NSA was collecting information on all potential presidential candidates. They already knew president Trump was running. He had filed to make America great again on November, 2012. They knew they knew they anticipated he was running for 2012, but people weren't ready yet. We couldn't be ready yet. We needed to see more because people have to see it for themselves. You can't tell people they're corrupt. Even if you spoon feed them, they're resistant because of all the other information. They had to see it for themselves. And then in December, right after the overcollections, the OPM alleged hack happened. So in December of 2014, the Office of Personnel Management was hacked they say over 22 million people. I'm telling you, there's more. They pulled everybody's records, everybody's background checks, everything. And they dumped it into the lap of General Hayden and General Jones. Okay? And what did they do? They tried to analyze to see who was the rotten egg, who had the potential of doing what? Tipping off Congress back in 2012 that there were personal servers being used. I mean, come on. If you can spy on us, right, the people, can't we spy on you? Of course. Of course. Remember, blackmail is one of the highest forms of currency in D.C. And what people forget is that the people that hold most of the cards are actually from Silicon Valley. All you have to do is kind of take a trip into the looking glass and see who's salty and understand. But I digress. Now we head over into 2015. This is where Hillary Clinton is finally put, you know, pressure on. Congress is like, yo, you didn't answer our email from 2012. We sent an official request to find out what, you know, about your personal emails. Then April 21st, coincidentally, the former and corrupt IG of the State Department, Linick, which all of you that have been following my Twitter, following my shows, knew that I've been talking about him for a very long time, saying, why is he there? He needs to go. He got money to create a secret server. That means within the State Department, the IG of the State Department has like a separate server. And then he was also told by a judge, you need to turn all over Hillary Clinton's emails. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, to do that, I'm going to need until January 2016. You know, the only thing he did was buy time for people to, to mitigate it. He had to set up his um, network. He had to select the emails. He had to pull them all into his system and then selectively, you know, uh, put them out. He had to make sure they weren't classified. Now, on July 6th. 2015, 2015, FBI hires CrowdStrike. Now, uh, that's interesting, right? Because the FBI never mentioned that to anybody. That during a presidential campaign election period, that they had hired CrowdStrike. So what you need to, to know on this is, you know, 
how did, why did Comey not tell the world that they hired them? Obviously, because they didn't want you to know. And there's a good reason for it because of their job. Because here's the thing. We need to know what the scope of the work was. Because according to their request for this money, our money, our dollars, it was a critical and urgent thing. So they didn't even put out a competition notice. They just said urgent. Now, I also want to tell you that CrowdStrike in the same year got hundreds of thousands of dollars in the Ukraine from 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 Braverman who disappeared. He used to head the Clinton foundation. He totally disappeared. And he appears in Ukraine giving Eric Schmidt of Google with Eric Schmidt of Google tons of money to CrowdStrike. And you're like, well, hold on a second, man. What's going on here? Wait a minute. Why is CrowdStrike getting money from Google? Why is CrowdStrike getting money from the Clinton Foundation? Why is CrowdStrike getting money and hired by the FBI? No one, ha. Huh? So then in 20, in July of uh, 20, um, July 26, 2015, you know, she made the statement, I did not send any classified emails through my private server when I was Secretary of State. BS, BS. The whistleblower <laughs> knows better. And this is why Congress went after you. So then Hillary Clinton decided, oh, I'm going to turn over my thumb drive and back up to the authorities. But she turned over the thumb drive and back up from April 14th and onwards, which is basically what she gave. <laughs> Because even Comey said so in his statement. So now we have her agreeing to send it off. And then Hillary Clinton, September of 2020. I'm so sorry about my email scandal. And then in September, Brennan contacts his CIA assets, his deep state assets that are sitting in the FBI. And there's tons of them riddled with them, riddled all of them activated to get on and their job was to groom this poor dnc it director who was like he was telling me what i'm looking for but he wasn't giving me a lot of i couldn't see anything that's what he was saying can't see anything so then john mccain did the same thing and you know we expect no less from john mccain so you know they continued grooming this dnc it director until the dnc it director met uh this fbi agent want to guess who he is he was involved in everything at the end of january of 2016 now I, uh, coincidentally, total coincidence, of course, the DNC gets a new firewall in December of 2015, <laughs> which means all these special logs and timestamps are all garbled and jumbled and unavailable, unfortunately. So in January, when this FBI agent arrives, right, an FBI agent, uh, you know, met with, uh, you know, this IT director of the DNC and he says, oh, you know, you need to look at specific indicators. No, no, no. At that time, again, the DNC couldn't find anything. Well, the DNC IT director meets with him. And, you know, even in his testimony, he says he gave me scraps of paper and then like stapled them together and said, look for this stuff. And I couldn't find any of that. Like he, it was like, all right, dude, I know you're telling me, but I can't find it. It's like not there. Well, uh, the RNC and the DNC happened to be imaged by people that they recruited to do so without supposedly the knowledge of the IT directors, supposedly, because I don't know how innocent this guy is. Uh, but, you know, we always have to assume innocent. So we're going to say without their knowledge. So in March, Strzok, 
Sussman, Clinton, and her lawyers become come together. They were supposedly discussing the mid-year plan. Of course they were, because they imaged the server, and they were going to uh, orchestrate this hack in order to then go in, and because they imaged the server, they can see what emails they need to delete, what timestamps they need to alter, and then they're going to recreate the code to make it look Russian, because Russia is the enemy. They would never, ever say it's China. Do you get why they imaged the server? You understand? But the thing is, the devices they used within their own agency had uh, Dooku. You know, they knew that. <laughs> because you know what's funny? Is that the FBI agent that was telling the DNC guy, hey, you got to look out for this and this. And he's like, I don't see it. It's because none of them were infiltrated yet. So they had software, they had hardware that they used at the FBI where it like funneled out everything. Again, if you can spy on people, they can spy on you. So this is where specific, you know, information was collected from their own facilities people that were handing out thumb drives to people like Peter Strzok. So it was interesting. So here we are. They're, they're imaging both the RNC and DNC server to eradicate and obliterate any information linking to any emails of Hillary Clinton, memorandums of understanding, deals, backdoor deals. And that's why they imaged the servers. But, you know, when they imaged the servers, <laughs> they used equipment that had certain <laughs> technology on it, like Stuxnet. So, and, you know, like it said, when it goes in there, this can sit in there, it can affect other areas, but it also has a job to do. It can turn things off, like you heard them say. It could delete things. It can find things. It can duplicate things. And it connects to the internet to just copy all your stuff. So, I'm just going to say that around that time, right, Around my birthday, I was sitting in with my little string theory group. We were chit-chatting, you know, all talking. And whoa, an upload came in. We're like, whoa. Yeah, it's going to be a couple. I'll parse it out. So after a couple days, everybody had image links that they could take. And the minute you downloaded one and loaded it onto a drive, you know, which were portions of it as ISOs, you know, they would get off the system. So they were in a cloud somewhere. Right. And so everyone just took and we're like, what are we looking? I don't know, but it's got to be huge because it came in through here. So so those two ISOs that I had on two different drives were actually part of the DNC server. (laughs) That happened in March. (laughs) Birthday present. But anyway, uh, you know, that's where the entrapment started. So they had started FISA. They had applied for um, they were spying already on every single candidate uh, via the NSA. Right. But then they started to create the narrative. I mean, if you say Russia did it and Russia's an enemy, then Russia's manufacturing fake and free. No, we didn't make a deal with this country. No, we never said that there's not going to be an America and it's going to be the North American Union, uh, even though Obama said it on TV, but whatever. No, there was no memorandum of understanding like this. No, we never said that we are going to be identifying children and separating them from parents based on their DNA. No, no, no. There's no such thing. Russia's just making that up. They're an enemy. You know, stuff like that. So here is where, uh, you know, the, the, the DNC hires CrowdStrike at the beginning of April. So they enter the DNC and they start having these conversations. Timelines that Fox has been giving to you are all confused because if you look around, you'll see different timelines of when CrowdStrike actually entered the picture for the DNC. When CrowdStrike was already working for the FBI to do what? To track... <sighs> 
to track down all her emails. That's where they found them on the DNC and RNC server. That's why they approached them. That's why they were grooming them. That's why they needed it. So you have to understand that they had hired CrowdStrike to eliminate her emails and any backtrace. I mean, FBI released payment to CrowdStrike of $150,000 two days after Comey exonerated her. Oh, wow. It's already over. Okay, guys. Tomorrow, I will be on same time, same place. But I'll also be joining uh, a gentleman called, uh, quite frankly, on his show at um, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Or is it 7 p.m.? One of the two. So I'll be on that, too. I'll remind you guys tomorrow. And then Wednesday, I might join. I will be joining Pete Santilli for, like, roundtable talk. So I hope this kind of helps. Read the article. You'll see that there are a few nuggets. I can't believe that the time is up already. God bless all of you. I'll see you tomorrow.